started a little something here and the response has been overwhelming. We just want to say thank you and you don't get an opportunity to do that a lot in this medium. It's come to our attention that there are at least eight ways other than going to the website that we mentioned at the end of listening to this and we are so glad that everyone is helping us out with that. However, we ask that just this one time you go to that website which is npc.expert and click on messages and record a question you'd like us to answer. We'd love to get some of those messages and have a podcast where we reply with answers to some of those questions. Now this podcast is about sin. So this may be the only time anyone ever tells you to enjoy something about sin, but enjoy this podcast about sin. You're listening to the Nameless Podcast of Castleberry, the show that exists to transform Castleberry by displaying the love of Christ, where we talk about the gospel in everyday language for everyday life. And now, here are your hosts, Matt West and Travis Benefield. Yes, this is the NPC. I am joined here by Pastor Travis Benefield. Good morning, everybody. Love to have you today. It's going to be a beautiful day in the house of the Lord. And it's exciting to be here on the podcast with my brother Matt. It's always exciting and fun. (laughs) Yeah, well... If only everyone felt that way. So we're going to do a little clean up here. We have done episodes on pretty much the gospel. We talked about introducing the gospel. We talked about how it puts you as part of a new family. We talked about how it motivates you in terms of reaction to government. We talked about what it makes you do in terms of scripture memorization. And then we talked about how it affects our global vision. But what we haven't talked about yet is what makes it necessary. Mm. What makes our salvation necessary is sin. We live in a world inundated with sin. Well, you know, when when we talk about sin, we have to understand it's a four-letter word. (laughs) It is a Mm four-letter word. I sin. (laughs) There you go. Uh, We need to to look at it. We're all sinners. And, you know, Scripture specifically tells us we're all sinners falling short of the glory of God. But we also need to know there's a way out of sin. And, you know, once we know what sin is about, we got to understand we can come out of sin. Yeah, what you may be familiar with the famous quote, sin isn't what you do, it's where you live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just that we go and commit acts, that is heinous, but it's that we live in a way where we are entirely affected by sin. This is something that encompasses our whole personality, encompasses the world we live in. We live in a world, we see the effects of sin all over the place. Uh, we, we are in a, quote, pandemic that why do we have disease? Well, because we sinned. We have friends dying. Well, why is there death? Because we sinned. Every part of our existence is affected by sin. And that's where we're at. And that's why the gospel we've been talking about is so vital and so important because we are affected by sin. If we were not content to live in a world where creation was good, man was created and was very good, and blessings in Genesis 2, I think verse 16, blessings were good. All of these things were good, and yet we sinned. 
Well, you know, when you talk about that word sin and how we live in it every day, but, you know, we learn the gospel, like we, we've been talking about the gospel message. We, we begin to live the gospel message in our life. Sin seems to uh, get smaller and smaller in our lives as we mature. Not, not saying that sin goes away. It's still there, but it don't affect us as we mature in Christ as much as it used to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Do you remember the old hymn where it talks about Turn your eyes on Jesus. And one of the things is, is in the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Do you, do you remember that old Absolutely. phraseology? Yes. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's true. I think that's what you're expressing. It's not we can ever overcome sin entirely. That's not what we're saying. But as we grow closer to the Lord, the effects of sin on us individually are muted. They grow. I, I like the term strangely dim. It just... right. It's poetic and whatnot. <laughs> it, does, it, it gets smaller and smaller. So we can have that abundant life that Christ is talking about when we grow closer to him. Sin is, is here. And I know people, I hear it a lot of times, people go, well, why did God create sin? Well, uh, well that's a deep and a different theology, different program, a different podcast. Yeah, maybe so. But yeah, let's just say God God didn't create sin, and we'll, we'll talk more about that in, as you say, a different program. Man rebelled against God. We were, were not content to reflect his image, and we reflect it more poorly. And so what are the consequences of that fall? One of the quotes, I, I sent this to you, and while we talked about sin on the personal level mm-hmm. and how it grows strangely dim. I, I'm going to use that phrase the entire podcast. It's, <laughs> it's my phrase. On the personal level, that's absolutely true. But we, as it's growing strangely dim within us, we see the culture around us more and more affected by sin. And John Wesley once said, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. And we can see sins in our lifetime that have become more and more accepted, not sometimes by those, and we've spent a couple episodes where we've mentioned the fact that not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, in that day, oh, I've cast out demons in your name, I've done this in your name. Amen. They're not all Christians, and we know that. There are some in the, quote, church that are not reflecting God, and, and so that happens. But when I say one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace, that's not always the church. That's culture at large. There are sins that were culturally deviant, culturally unacceptable 40 years ago, and today are tolerated and there were some that were barely tolerated 40 years ago and now are embraced we see people flaunting their sin like there's a movement now called shout your abortion where people are shouting the fact and the, and they want to proclaim it that they've killed a baby I, I hate to concentrate on one or two sins because that tells people i'm only focusing on those and that's not what i want to do but we see we have seen sins grow from anathema to, eh, well, it's not the worst thing, to being shouted, being proclaimed, being said, these are sins that define me and I'm proud of it. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, whenever we look at our children, as far as sin nature goes, we, we begin to teach them the difference between good and evil from the very beginning. And that's where we understand what sin is. Sin is a separation from God. It's, it's our moral compass. You know, it leads us into that, that phase of understanding who we are 
in Christ. And if, if we're sinners and we're, we're living in this sin nature, it begins to explode. And, you know, I love that quote when you sent it to us. It says, uh, the next generation will embrace. And it just reminds me so much of, in Scripture, it, it tells us specifically that witchcraft is rebellion against God. Yeah. Rebellion is a sin. Witchcraft, then, is a sin. But many years ago, in the early 50s, 60s, witchcraft was terrible. You know, right. people just didn't do it. Not, right. then, then all of a sudden, we got the little short movie, Bewitch. <laughs> she no longer had a little knot on her nose and on her chin and dressed in black and wore a pointed hat. She was a beautiful housewife that was kind and nice. And it kind of took a little of the tarnish off of witches. And then the next thing you know, we've got different shows that spring. And what's happened is our children have begun to watch these types of things. And they have become desensitized to that sin. Which scripture specifically says, witchcraft is, now they're having practicing Wiccas in schools. We have we hear of classes and groups in different places where it's a normal thing in our society. So what John Wesley was talking about many years ago, a sin that was barely taught, now it's embraced. Yeah. It's okay. People are moving to Wiccan in record numbers. It's just another thing. It's boggling to the mind that that is where we are, but... As, as you point out, John Wesley was on to something. If only he would have you know, gotten a little more notoriety. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did. If he was a Baptist, maybe. That yeah, maybe, maybe that would have done it. Instead of being the founder of Methodism, if he would have you know, <laughs> Baptist. I have a friend. That statement, shocking enough, as you recover You've got from... you two friends now. <laughs> as you recover from the fainting, my friend who is a pastor in... He used to be a pastor in South Carolina, and now he's a pastor in North Carolina. He made a huge move. 30 miles away, I think. And he was reading a book by Owen Strachan, who is a professor at a Southern Baptist seminary. And I I sent this to you, and I'm going to read this to you so I can get your response. Stop twisting yourself in knots to make Christianity inoffensive. Christianity is offensive. It comes from heaven, and it rebukes our sinful world. Christ was not celebrated. He did not go out to white glove banquets and listen to elegant dinner speeches. He preached the truth in love. He obeyed the Father, and then he was brutally crucified, hung naked as a public spectacle and a Roman warning to any dumb enough to follow him. Well, you know, whenever you first sent this to me and I read it the first time, I took offense to it. You thought he was talking to us, yeah. (laughs) But then, reading it several other times. That's why it's very important for us to not react to things immediately. And when I read this thing, this guy's on to something because he is talking, you know, Christianity, we need to quit defending Christianity. God can defend himself. It is offensive to sin. And then we're living in a fallen world. And when you bring light in the darkness, something's going to have to change. It ain't going to get alone together. Mm-hmm. Darkness has got to flee. And so when I read this thing, you know, we as, as preachers and teachers of God's Word, we need to quit trying to make it fit the whole right. because it don't go in that hole. Right. It is the whole. 
And so we need to understand that we can't change it to make it work. It's there and it's, it's, it's solid. And, and we need to quit worrying about trying to make it appealing to others because it's, it's not, if you are a, if you are a sinner, it's not going to be appealing to you. It's going to be convicting to you. Yeah. It, I had a pastor, another pastor who was a friend of mine. I, I'm friends with all these pastors. I don't know what the deal is. But the he used to say this quote. He said, the word of God is like a lion. You don't need to defend the lion. Just let the lion loose and let it defend himself. That's what Strachan is on to here. We need to tell the gospel as it is. And the gospel is offensive. Why? Because if I tell you you need the gospel, I'm telling you that you are a sinner completely devoid of Christ. You just... That's what you are. That's where you live, as the quote I mentioned earlier said, which is Steve Brown, by the way. Steve Brown is the one who said that quote. Sin isn't what you do, it's where you live. If that's where I live, it's offensive to me that I cannot, on my own, save myself. I can't be good enough. I can't perfect my life to the point where that's where I am. What I can do is turn to the God who can save me, and that's the gospel we've been talking about. That is what we need. And it's offensive to people to hear that. It's offensive to hear, you can't do it. You, you say that you tell them it's because they're a sinner. Well, now you're judging. Right. You know, but, Which we said is the most quoted verse a few episodes ago. Yeah. That's right. So we're thinking about that. But it's not a judgment. You're just proclaiming the truth. Correct. It's just like, you know what? Just because I drive down the highway doing 75 miles an hour in a 35, somebody tells me, hey, that's 35 miles an hour. Are they judging me because I'm driving that fast? No, they're just stating a fact. The fact is you need Jesus yeah. for salvation. That's a fact. And you can continue to believe, well, I can do it on my own. I don't need somebody to point it out to me. Well, then you're going to keep going down that same path of sin and, and end up in the eternal damnation. But... The thing is, it's not judgment that we're trying to proclaim. We're just proclaiming the truth that more will come to the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ by hearing the truth and seeing the truth. Not only hearing, but seeing the truth in each of us. Yeah, it's it's funny to me when we tell people that they're sinners in need of a Savior and they get all offended. It's like the person who goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, you've got diabetes. And they get mad at the doctor. Like, what, what are you telling me i got diabetes? What's this about? Like, the doctor, all the doctor is doing is telling you what exists. You, you were diabetic before you walked in. You'll be diabetic after you walk in. The doctor is merely trying to get you to deal with the reality of your situation. And this is what we are. We're, we're doctors. We're not making people sinful. We're just saying, look, this was the condition you walked in with. This is the condition you walk out with. And we have the cure. We know what the cure is. And that's where, you know, you come back to your quote here. It says, he preached the truth in love. That's the key. Whenever we're giving the gospel message that not we're trying to judge that person, uh, that they're a sinner. We're all sinners. We're all in need of a savior, but we do it in love and 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 share the gospel message in love, to, you know, that they can learn how to receive the message and, and look at their fault. You know, today in my message, in, the, in my sermon, I'm going to give a plug for it this morning. We're going to be talking about transformation, being transformed and being renewing of the mind. And what that is, is we have sin in our hearts. We have it in our, our, our life. We got to transform and change that 
to light and not darkness. And so it's important to understand that sin only separates us from God, separates us from that abundant life, separates us from that joy. Sin separates us from everything God intended us to have here on this earth and in heaven. Sin separates us from all the joy that he wants to pour out upon us. I don't know why anyone would even consider not choosing God instead of sin. I'm thinking of uh, Romans 6, where buried with him, baptism, raised, for newness of life. It, it talks about, should we go on sinning, that grace may abound. And God forbid. Basically, what it's saying is, it's a stupid way to live, because sin is hard on us. Mm-hmm. People want to tout their freedoms, and, and that's, that's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that Christ has made us each to have the Holy Spirit in us so that we are guided by conscience. And where the Bible is silent, that's where the Holy Spirit guides us and may guide us differently. So yes, we have individual soul liberty. But where the Bible is not silent, where the Bible speaks, that's where we we must follow what the Bible says. And so we shouldn't sin. But even still, like sinning makes our lives so much harder. It makes it, on an individual level, it makes our lives so much harder. We can see it on a corporate level. We can see how... The effects of sin, like death, disease, these things make life harder. We see that. But sometimes we want to deny the effects on us individually. And it's just not so. It's, it affects us individually greatly. It, uh, it affects us in a huge way. Talking about how the sin affects us. It affects us in, in ways not only in our, our corporate level, but it affects us individually. It also affects us family. Oh, yeah. I believe that it's very important that when we look at the sin nature, you know, it says the, the father's sin is upon us. I the effects of the, the sins last for seven generations, yes. is what the Bible says. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and so uh, my sins or my father's sins are not true. I can break that chain of sin. Eventually, we prepare our lives on a daily basis and we live in, and understand the sin nature. I've, I've heard it said so many times people come up and go, well, you know, I just want to have some fun in the world and I want to have all this stuff going on. When I join the church and I get part of the kingdom, I can't do all that. You know, you can have as much fun then as you can when you're living in sin and understand living for Christ is exciting. It's an exciting thing. And we have fun. I do. I mean, for the last 35 years as I've been living for the Lord, it's been great. I've enjoyed every bit of it because it is, it's something that I desire to please my Lord. I desire to do it. And in doing so, I'm enjoying my family, my children, and all things like that. It comes together, that abundant life. Our church bodies sometimes feed into this. Uh, I was talking with someone about a week ago, and they said, yeah, our church just hasn't done anything. Hasn't done anything for years. We just, I mean, they come and, like, I think you described a few episodes ago as like a social club. Like, people just come in and they, they participate in their social club, and that's it. But there's so much. When you experience the, the liberating salvation of Christ, and you no, are no longer tethered to that sin, you can live a life that is so satisfying and so fun, to use your word. You know, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it is love, joy, peace on suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, means temperance. But joy is, you, it, it it's describes those who live in the Spirit, those who are living in the Spirit. You, you said in your sermon last week, and I, I thought it was very profound, where you were talking about 
when you live in the spirit, and, and you can correct the way I'm phrasing this, but when you live in the spirit, the outflowing of that will be the fruit. It's not, you know, you do the fruit so you can have the spirit. It's the outpouring of living in the spirit is the fruit. Right. And and our fruit demonstrates our 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 joy that we're having by by producing these things. You know, we the sin nature separates us. The fruit gives us the opportunity to grow in Christ deeper and deeper. You know, gentleness, loving, caring. And and we always use that word joy, but sometimes we, you know, we don't understand, well, you know, people that are living in the world, they go, well, you know, I have a lot of joy too. But the problem is their joy will only last as long as they live. My joy will last for eternity. God has promised that to me. So I'm not investing in some temporal thing. I'm investing in a permanent thing that will be forever and ever. Yeah. And so when we, we have that clear understanding of what sin can do and it can separate us. Yeah, you can have joy living in the world. You can have love living. You can have gentleness living in the world. You can have all of those things, but they're temporal. I won't. They're pray. temporal and they're, and they're limited too. When you are unsaved, your joy is thwarted by an inability to know that it's going to last forever. It's thwarted, your love is thwarted by an inability to know that it can last right. forever. You know it's short-lived. You know, that's why the poet said, gather ye rosebuds while ye may. He's saying, like, get all you can now. And we know that we can get all we can, not for now, but for a future. Right. I wanted to continue reading from Strachan. I think it answers some of the things we've been talking about. He says, I am so very tired of evangelicals who try to make the Christian faith palatable to the natural man. Should we be offensive and mean and obnoxiously weird as believers? No. Be a normal, well-functioning Christian human. But please, for the love of all that is good in the world, stop presenting Christian faith like a QVC commercial. The Christian faith is not of this world. It is divine. As such, it is an offense to human pride and a stench to the human self-reliance. People naturally hate it. Stop pretending otherwise. Be who you are and let Christianity be Christian. Wow. You know, uh, listening to him talk, you know, he's so right. We're always trying to sell Christianity. I remember years ago when I taught us, when people come down to the altar and, and confess Jesus Christ as the Lord, don't promise them a rose garden. It ain't going to be a rose garden. It's going to be tough to live for Jesus. Some people try to make faith palatable. They're like, hey, faith is just kind of continue doing what you're doing. He's like, stop trying that. Don't make it palatable to natural man. Make it what it is. Let Christianity be Christian. Because we put a lot of faith in our own abilities. Uh, I remember Gracia Burnham, who she was a missionary, and she said, I don't have faith that God will provide food for me. I have faith that I'll open the refrigerator and the food will be there. I don't have faith that God will clothe me because I open the closet and I see lots of clothes. But she remembers a time where she was running, we'll call it an orphanage, and they didn't have food. And they would sit down at the table and they would pray, believing that God would provide for them. And, and, and she would tell just miraculous stories of, of times where they would literally sit down to dinner, say their prayer, and there'd be a knock on the door after the prayer and they'd open it and someone had left them 30 meals that they needed to feed the kids. We like to put faith in ourselves. Mm-hmm. As we've said in the past, while I planted, Paul is the one speaking, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. We need to do our job, yeah. 
Coach Taylor liked the saying, God is working, what's your role? Our role, you know, we plant, we water, we do these things, but we need to have faith that God can make it happen. And so as we're sharing the gospel, we don't need to make a sales job to try to trick them into heaven. Right. We need to present them with the gospel and rely on an all-powerful God who is loving to us. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of a little story that of the little old lady that lived in the house. She was right, oh, she just loved the Lord. She told everybody about Jesus all the time. Well, her next door neighbor was an atheist. And uh, man, he he just it just irritated him more than anything in the world. She'd look at him and says, Praise Jesus and wave at him. And I'm I'm waving for everybody on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Those for my benefit, I enjoy it. Yes. Uh, and she would wave and say, Praise the Lord and praise Jesus. And he goes, You know what? I'm gonna fix her. So he went to town one day and bought two big old bag loads of groceries and went over and put them on her front doorstep, you know, and rung the doorbell, run, hid in the bushes. And she come outside and she saw these groceries and she looked at them. She says, praise the Lord. Look what I've got. Somebody's brought me groceries. And he jumped out and he goes, no, it wasn't. The Lord had anything to do with this. I did it. And she looked and says, praise God, you had the devil himself to bring it. <laughs> So, nice. so sometimes, you know, we got to give God the praises for everything. And uh, when, when we think about the sin nature, and I think you said it to me the other day when we were talking about a book, you know, sometimes we can take bad things out of certain areas and use them for good. We can, but we have to make sure that we are discerning in the spirit, making sure that we are following what God has called us to do. We need to listen to God because sin can creep right in before we know it. That's why it's important that we we are solid, we're, we're founded on the word, and we know what, uh, you know, we can look at things like uh, quotations and, and books and movies and things and separate separate the good from the bad and take it to heart. And it's important, but it begins with knowing Jesus personally because sin creeps in before we ever know it. Uh, Satan has made it his plan to deceive us. And sometimes he paints sin as being something really cute and nice and, you know, that little old puppy, you know. (laughs) It's funny because we're talking about, ah, don't make the gospel palatable because that is the move that Satan has. Is he tries to make sin palatable to us. He tries to say, this is okay. This will be okay. Even when you hear of him tempting in, in the Bible, like, oh, you need bread. You, you know, you'll, oh, that's not what God meant. This is, that, that is the way of Satan to make things more palatable than what they actually are. And I think the way of Jesus is to call a brood of vipers a brood of vipers. Right. To, to call Pharisees whited sepulchers. While they look pretty on the outside, inside they're full of dead men's bones. I was talking this week with some friends, and they said, what's your Mount Rushmore of books? What are your favorite books that you read? And this one did not make my Mount Rushmore, but it came up called Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges. And the reason it didn't is because he wrote another book that I like more, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) But Respectable Sins, where it talks about how there are sins that people view as respectable and how we need to treat those. It's a great book if you want to read it. But... That's one of the things is we need to take away the respectability of sin and to recognize it for what it is. Well, when you say to, to respectability of sin, you got to know first what is sin right? and sin, uh, what it means to you. And so when we understand what sin truly is in our life, we'll be able to, to understand it. But now 
respectability of sin. I guess what I see in that is that we have to know what sin can do. When I, I use the word respect, I respect Jesus Christ because I know who he is and what he is. And in the same way, we need to respect sin. We gotta know what sin is. Sin's not something for us to play with. Sin is not something that we can just hang around with and play, you know, and hold it a little bit close, but not too close. You know, we need to put sin as far away from us as possible. That's respecting it. You know, my mother always told me, I, when I was a young boy, I always wanted a motorcycle. Just want, I wanted a motorcycle all my life. And I finally convinced her to let me buy a motorcycle. And then a young man in our town, not in our town, but the next town over, uh, was on his motorcycle and flipped it over and busted his head open, wide open. And she said, that's it, you want it. I said, but mom, I won't do that. She says, no, he didn't respect that motorcycle and I know you won't respect it. So, you know, when it comes to the sin nature, we got to respect sin because it'll sneak in and bite us if we're not careful as well as we, you know, we understand the power that sin has over our lives. I've seen many a preachers fall because they got to the point that they thought they were stronger than sin, and sin creeped in on them, and before they knew it, they were tumbling. Yeah, you often will see preachers, I was doing some research for this podcast, often when a preacher or a teacher goes soft, they stop speaking about sin and hell, focus on a therapeutic category, and then they scorn those who don't see it their way. And no one notices until the point where scandal hits and their ministry Crumbles. becomes toast. Yeah. And so it's it's important to focus on sin and to focus on doing away with it. And that's important. So uh, any parting words for your minions, Pastor? Yes. One of the things that I would like to share with you is that fact that sin, we know sin exists. And the problem within the church today, not only my church, but all religious organizations, we have desensitized the word sin. Preachers don't preach on sin no more. Afraid it'll run the congregation off. Afraid it'll make somebody upset. But just like this young man that wrote this article here, we've got to stop pretending and start putting the word and the emphasis on what will cause man to fall. And that's sin. Sin alone. Yeah. Well, sin is bad. Our sins there are many, but his mercy is more. Amen. So, all right. This has been the NPC. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nameless Podcast of Castleberry, the show that exists to transform Castleberry by displaying the love of Christ, where we talk about the gospel in everyday language for everyday life. Follow us online at npc.expert, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.